Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of our special Q&A series of the Grow Bowl with Disability podcast. In this episode, we've gathered a bunch of experts together to debunk the statement that people with autism don't have social skills. Now, let me quickly introduce us to our panel. I've got Cody. Now, he's just finished school and he has ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder. We'll call it ASD from now on. makes it easier for everyone. We've also got Andy. He's a young, self-employed artist with ASD and is transgender. And Emily, she's one of our LACs, a local area coordinator for Ferros and has three kids with autism. So, she's a bit of an expert too. Welcome, everybody. Hi. 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 <laughs> now, Emily, let's kick off with you. Let's start with, we're talking about autism, obviously. What to you is the definition of autism? My children. Yeah, what, what does that mean to you? Like what, I mean, there's oh, so many different types of autism. What is it, what's your definition for how your kids have it? Uh, I guess I wouldn't put a definition really. They're all very different, all of them. Um, one's really social um, and was really late to be picked up. One is very antisocial until he's comfortable and that can take, that's taken up to a year before. And then my last is also um, a bit of both of them. So very social and very not social. It depends on the situation. They're just very different. Uh, I don't really have a definition for them. They're just my children. That seems like the sort of when I was doing my research for this chat and for other people we've spoken to in the podcast with autism, that's the common thread. It's sort of there's no boundaries with this. What about with you, Andy? What's how what's your definition of autism for you? Um, that is a very big question. Um, for me, you're wired differently. Um, it's it's a lot of the same cliches. Like you see the world differently. You process things differently. Sometimes things are louder. Um, quite often I find that things um, go one way or the other, like you're either hypersocial or you're not social or it's, it, it, or you can handle loud sounds or you can, like, you seek sensory, you're a sensory seeker or you're, you're a bit, yeah, it... <laughs> It's oh, such a big question. Yeah, well, it's a, sort of the theme that's coming across. Emily, so you mentioned the, the three kids are all got different social skills. How do you coordinate that as a mum? To tr- I know it's probably impossible to time it all for, well, you've got one who's super antisocial, well, not very social, and the other one's a mix and the other one's a, So how do, you, how do you juggle that? Um, I don't treat them any differently. So I have my own disability and I have a, a struggle with that, but I don't want my children to end up like me, coming a long way and taking a really long road to get there. So I put them in situations, um, like really easy situations and then really difficult situations to get them to understand that flexibility happens and I don't care about the world. It's probably a bit harsh to say that, but I don't care about the world around me. They're my children. Um they're just learning and one day they're going to be able to navigate that situation. Um, but I think that the world needs to understand them and the way that they think. Um, so if they're having a difficult moment, it's okay, like we all do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, just, I just do it, I guess. What, what are their age groups, oldest to youngest? Uh, I have a almost 10-year-old, uh, an almost 14-year-old and an almost 15-year-old. Okay, so they're right in that... Awkward stage of being teenagers anyway. 
Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard life. And I see Andy over here shaking his head. So what about your social – how do you – how did you deal – let's start way back in the day at school. How was school for you? School was a nightmare. Um, I only got diagnosed when I was 19. Okay. Um, my mum tried to diagnose me earlier, but I had lots of other chronic health conditions and they thought that – because I missed out on school, that, yeah, um, that I just wasn't socialised enough or they thought it was my dad's passing or something like that. Um, But I, the teachers drilled into me that I was stupid, Mm -hmm. which, you know, wasn't very nice. And, like, I had dreams of being an archaeologist, but then the kids told me I was stupid for that. And it was just, so school was, school was hard. And I had one, one friend, um, but then she, um, I had to stay back a year because I, I was sick. And yeah, she went ahead and I just, I spent the rest of the time alone from fourth grade. I was just alone. I spent my time reading books and being, I, I was really outgoing though. I was really outgoing, but for some reason I just couldn't make friends. So, do you, and sorry, let's have a go while we're talking about school, Emily. How are your kids finding it at school? <sighs> very challenging. Mm. Um, but I'm uh, very vocal. So, if there's a difficulty, I will step into the school pretty promptly to. Um, navigate the situation. Very early on, I realised that I needed to um, figure out a way to get what actually happened from my children because they struggled to explain it and they could just, you know, have this one part of this bigger picture that we didn't quite um, have. So going into the school guns are blazing was probably not the most appropriate (laughs) to start with. Um, But I have a really good... um, relationship with the schools now and um, I, ju- I just need to talk to them. And, yeah, it's just all know. about the communication really. Yeah. Socially, um, my daughter, my eldest daughter has uh, struggled uh, in that area. They've put in social groups. They have tried to facilitate um, engagement with relationships like little groups outside and, and whatnot. Um, she's been bullied. Um, she's been physically hurt. She has been called a liar. Um, She's had the police threatened on her because I don't know how to explain it. So they were just, you know, play fighting Mm. and the other young child took that way too seriously, I suppose, even though it was initiated by that child and it just went a little bit further than it should have. Mm. My daughter is non-binary she went through a few different stages until she felt comfortable where where she is. Right. And um, she was told really derogatory things about going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, she is so social though and she'll walk out of this one negative situation and we'll talk through it, which is a long time coming and has only been, you know, this year and this year is not very... You know, not much of it. Um, And um, she'll walk in the next day like over it. Nothing's happened. Moved on. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it still eventually comes back and she'll she'll have her questions. Um, She's a bit of a a late kind of question person. Well, thinker by the sound of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So in a week's time she'll be like, oh, do you remember? And uh, she's got really bad um, difficulties with her her uh, memory, but, you know, if something really sticks, she'll she'll come back to you. Yeah, yeah. nice. The other two, uh, 
my son's doing okay now, had a lot of struggles as well. And then my youngest is starting to slowly follow the same path as my oldest, but the school are really on top of it. So, yeah, but getting a really good school is... Yeah, that sounds like it's a very important thing. Cody, what about you at school? How, how was school for you? You've only just finished. Yes. And did you enjoy school? Was it fun for you or was it hard or...? A little bit boring. Oh, was it boring? <laughs> Why was that? My school friends always tease me. Oh, did they? Was that just making, were, that, were they serious or just having some fun? Serious. Oh, were they? Yes. So what did you, what did you study at school? What were your favourites? Did you have any favourites or you just didn't like anything? PE. <laughs> you like the exercise part of it. You are wearing a Michael Jordan top today. <laughs> yes. So are you glad that school's over? Yes. But do you feel proud of yourself having accomplished, you know, getting all the way through to the end? Yes. And uh, what are you gonna, are you going to go to tertiary education? You want to stick to go back to school and do more? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. What are your plans? Money. Oh, you want to make some money? So I've actually. So I did read that you do want to go out into the workforce and get get yourself a job. What would your ideal job be? Working at Mecca's. Oh, really? Wow. Why is that? Discounts. Is that what you want? <laughs> And sales customers. Oh, you want to work with some customers. So you, you, you've got the drive, you're ready to learn some stuff and go and work at Macca's? Yes. There's a, there's I'll a take chicken of, nuggets, thank you. Yes. <laughs> there's some discipline there. <laughs> Will you be good at that? Yes. Yeah, nice. Andy, let's go back to you. I just want to stick on this school thing for a, one second. I hear a lot of people having a lot of issues, who have got, people who have got ASD with the schooling systems. What needs to change within our schooling system? And not where, I mean, we're in Adelaide today, but I hear it from people when I talk to them in Queensland, Victoria, that's all the same thing. There's no real space for them. They feel excluded and, or they feel picked on. So what do you think the schooling system needs to do? I think they need to realise that there isn't one way of learning that there's lots of ways because I went to this um, secondary school, um, not secondary school, um, like adult learning um, centre um, and I had an amazing teacher. Um, she like she let me do um, like all my reports orally because I'm really bad at writing and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, yeah, um, I think there needs to be sensory spaces. Um, I think there needs to be um, like support workers at school for um, disabled kids. Sometimes if they need to sit in class and stuff with them and take it all in and be a second pair of ears if that mm. has to happen. Um, but sometimes just to work through the program. But I think maybe even most, any child that's having difficulty should really have a, a worker to, to discuss mm. how their learning's going, I think. Do you want to go to mainstream school or would you rather have... As a sort of a sidetrack where there's a little you know, area for you to learn separately or do you want that interaction with other kids and stuff? Um, I think it's important to have interactions mm. with, uh, with other kids, um, to stay as mainstream as possible but get as much help as possible. Yeah. Emily, I see you shaking your head. you agree? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
I think the the thing that came out of that then was the teachers who can adapt so you can do your oral exams instead of having yeah. to do written. Was that a hard thing to get across to people that you, this is how I learn? Um, well, because I didn't even realise how I learned then. Mm. Um, the teacher worked it out for me and we came, we tried tonnes of different things. Like we did voice recordings and we made movie presentations of of my work and stuff because like we, I did um, art courses that I got English um, credits for and stuff. And I think we need to make this adaptive learning mainstream. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I think that's the hugest problem in in education. The kids don't know how they learn. Like my my son's um, almost about to turn fourteen, and only just figured out some of his triggers in classroom that make him, you know, mm. angry, and he needs to step away. So he's only just figured that out. How is he going to know that you know orally is going to be the best the way? Yeah. Um, I think you're very right. Um, it's something that needs to be worked in the school to figure out how each particular child learns. So at the start of the year or even at the end of the year, they will pick which class is better fitted based on the students and however they do it. Um, But it'd be interesting to know if that's the sort of thing that they consider. Yeah, I mean, the whole system is very antiquated as it is, even for people without ASD or any who have learning difficulties. It's sort of, it's a very rigid system, isn't it? It really needs to be a bit more open and a bit more adaptable and, yeah, and have those special people in class to help out other, you know, teachers' assistants and so forth, definitely. Let's move on to a bit more of our social skills, bring us back to debunking this statement that people with autism don't have social skills. Andy, let's start with you. What are some of the reactions that you've come across from people when you've been, say, in a shop or in a public place, have you had people react differently to you because of your ASD? Yes. I um, I worry that sometimes people will assume that I'm on drugs because I look sometimes very out of it because mm-hmm. um, I know that that, um, that has happened to people and police have, um, you know, roughly arrested people. Mm. in that situation. Um, but, yes, when I'm rocking in public, shaking, um, my eyes just don't focus. I can't look people in the eye or, um, yeah, even when I went to a doctor's appointment, like as soon as I mentioned I was autistic, he slowed things down for me, which I know he was trying to be considerate, but it was quite patronising. Because mm. if if I needed help, I could have asked. I could have asked, "Can you like explain in a different way? You could you slow down a little bit?" But he slowed down, and he, yeah, it, it wasn't very nice. Do you find that a bit from people in authority? When I say authority, I'm including doctors and that sort of thing. That yeah, once they find out you have ASD, they sort of really do treat you like a small child. Yeah, you get that all the time. It's funny that that pops up a fair bit whenever we talk to people with autism, that that's, they get really babied by people. Emily, do you find that as well? Yeah. And they, the don't, uh, they don't address them, they'll address me. Correct, yes. They talk to the parent and not the, yeah, the, the child. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm generally the, I don't know, ask them. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's not my statement. Yeah. What about you, Cody? Do you find that at all? No. Oh, you don't? So, pe- so have you had any people sort of react strangely to you because you've got ASD? No. Well, that's nice. You're very lucky, aren't you? <laughs> what about Andy? What about um, any sorts of discrimination you've experienced as well because of ASD? Um, 
Have you gone for, let's say, have you gone for jobs or anything and people have just gone, uh, and you think it's because of your ASD? I see you're nodding your head. (laughs) um, Yeah, I think it's because of my ASD and I've got scoliosis. Um, For example, I I think there needs to be more accessibility in jobs for disabilities in general Mm -hmm. because I applied, um, I just wanted to do work experience at a florist because I want to become a florist as well. but I wanted to get some experience first to see whether this is the right passion of mine. Um, but all I need is a chair to sit at a table, but they say the table's too high, so they can't do it. But why can't they just get a higher chair? Yes, <laughs> that's pretty sensible, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, but they all the florists we've phoned with my job provider, they just say, no, we can't do that. We can't provide you with a chair, which is all I need to do work. So do you... Tell them before you have a face-to-face interview. Do you tell them that you've got ASD, you've got scoliosis and those things? Have you ever not told them and just shown up for a face-to-face interview? Um, well, I haven't actually gotten that far yet. Okay. All I have is, um, all I've done is work experience, I wanted to do is work experience. Um, I'm, I'm currently trying to do some volunteering work, at, um, like an old folks home or, um, what was the other place, or an op shop. Um Yes, it, I, I, I think some. It's really hard to find the right environment, and you got to be careful about when, maybe when to mention it. I think because mm-hmm. you, you, if it, it shouldn't be a thing that taboo. It shouldn't be something that you hide away from or anything, mm-hmm. but. In certain circumstances, you, you, you've, it's weird that you have to be careful about when to mention it. Now, you're, you are a self-employed artist. Is that through necessity? Kind of, yes. Yeah, because of this sort of thing, because the only jobs you are getting, as you're saying, well, sounds like it's volunteer only just so you can get some experience. I can't even get volunteer yeah. work at the moment. So, I don't know whether that's COVID or not. Well, there's people out there desperate for to employ people. That's yeah. the last what we're hearing on the radio and the television. Yeah. And then you're still struggling. I am still struggling. Mm. All I need is a chair to do my work yeah. and just some patience and understanding. Does that bother you, Emily, with your kids still at school but coming into this workforce? That bother me or scare me? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's even more <laughs> this discrimination that, that they're going to come up against in our society. A hundred percent. Like if I was to describe my my children, um, my eldest is is very in your face. So I am worried for her because uh, safety awareness, she'd walk straight in and just be like, hey, what's up? And then just dribble her life to you. And it'll all be about her because she's We've only just realised what's going on with her, but she's really self-centred. So she'd be like, me, 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 me. <laughs> um, I do worry that she's probably going to hit a few doors. Um, but in saying that, um, I'm really proud of her because um, she only turned 14 last year and um, she's like guns are blazing to get a, a job. She's um, already reading, you know, the driver's manual so she can start doing her um, learners next year and, um, yeah, so but it's, because it affects her, it's me, 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 me. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that uh, she steps into a, an, a, an accommodating place. But being an LAC, I've had a lot of participants who have had success with um, like Coles and Woolworths mm-hmm. and, you know, they... Um, have made the right fit. So I'm kind of excited for her as well. Yeah. 
Nice. What about you, Cody? Have you come across any sort of discrimination or anything? No. Well, you're only about to uh, go into the workforce. Are you scared to go into the workforce or, or you're excited? Excited. Really? <laughs> what, what, what do you look forward to? Now, I, know what, I think I know you're going to say the money, but are you, also, are you looking forward to the social side of it as well, meeting new friends and things? Yes. Yeah, nice one. Now, I have, I mean, I've, we've had this podcast going now, we're into season four, and I've even noticed in the last, you know, couple of years, people's attitudes are already starting to change, or I'm hearing a lot of people telling me that attitudes are starting to change for people with disability and accessibility and all that sort of stuff. You even mentioned like Coles and Woolies, like they're putting in systems in place and Maccas and those places. How long have you been working with as an LAC? A year. Okay, so maybe we haven't seen so much change in the 12 months, but have you noticed since your kids were diagnosed, have you noticed there's more? Or are you noticing because it's something you're paying more attention to perhaps? What do you think? I sort of just force it on everybody. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) so um, my children for the first time in, you know, their short little lives decided that um, they were going to participate in – a social sport mm. and that was a first thing, massive moment last year. Um, my youngest daughter with ASD was the first to play for APNA with a um, disability. My son was the second uh, child to play for APNA with a disability and the first male. So pretty proud last yeah. year. So, we, you know, that was a big achievement for them and also my children. So, yeah, I do think so. Yeah, so attitudes are changing. People are more and more accepted. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's about finding the, the right spot, the right environment. Hmm. Um, yeah. How has the NDIS helped? Um, with a lot of therapy. Yeah. It took a long time. Um, it's only new for my eldest child um, but – being a couple of months kind of new, it's it's absolutely massive for her. She's starting to understand um, how to talk up for herself. Um, she's starting to understand just the s- certain ways that she talks to people are probably not appropriate, so that's massive. She's under- starting to understand how to explain what's going on with her body. So in, instead of just going, I ache everywhere, um, she's able to describe that sort of stuff. It's something that I've been working on for a very long time with her and somebody else reinforcing that and mm. somebody else helping me to talk to her differently to get that out is, is massive. It built social skills in my son to be able to navigate school and join netball last year and football this year. And with my youngest, um, it helped with behaviour so we're not getting beat on, beaten up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. So back to you, Andy. What about attitude changes? Have you noticed any attitude changes? Um, I noticed with um, schooling and certain schools I've seen on um, the um, social media and stuff that they have tried really hard to adjust um, for students, like make those sensory rooms and because my aunt is a teacher as well. Um, her, her her school, I think, have adjusted some, um, like and made made it a bit more accessible. Um, that's what I have noticed. Um, with work, um, they say they're trying, or they say, oh, it's illegal to discriminate, but they still continue refuse to continue continue to refuse to hire hire disabled people. Or, mm. Mm. 
So it's more I need I need actions and proof that you're going to get better mm. than just talk. You mentioned social media there and you saw certain things on social media. Do you think that's been a good thing, social media, because people are starting to see other people like them more and more because Definitely. you weren't seeing them in mainstream media. You weren't seeing a lot of people with ASD or people in wheelchairs and so forth on mainstream media. And now with social media, has that made you feel a little bit better about yourself, that there's other people out there just like me? Definitely. Um, of course, social media can be toxic, but mm. um, it can also help you find community, which I have. Mm. Um, I found community with um, my autism community, my disabled community. Just, yeah, I found so many like, people out there um, struggling to get diagnoses. But in America, they've changed the criteria for diagnoses as well to make it harder. Um it's it, yeah, hmm. but it's the yeah. It's just amazing the people you find. Yeah. What about you, Cody? You you're on social media? No, you're not. Why not? I thought you might follow maybe the Adelaide Crows or something on Facebook or Instagram. No, only Facebook. Uh, so so you got a little bit of Facebook. So who do you follow on Facebook? Do you follow anyone with ASD or are you more of your sport fan or no? Who do you follow? My mum. <laughs> <laughs> Just mum? Is that it? Well, you might have to follow McDonald's if you get a job there. Will you do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, let me ask you because you've got the teenagers at home too about the social media thing, good or bad? I don't have it. But neither, none of them have it? Okay. So, And that's obviously a conscious reason. What's the reason behind that? Um my daughter would probably run away with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a safety issue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we, we don't have it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what, how do you see it? Do you see it as a good thing is what Andy was saying, like there's some good and some bad. There's the bullying aspect of it, but there's also that finding your people in inverted commas. Uh, yeah, so I like it for the the community kind of aspect um, and, and finding resources. I'm on a lot of um, pages for that sort of stuff and, you know, basic stuff like, you know, food help and, and whatnot and I, I love it for that. Socially though, I, I do think it's way too toxic. You, mm. People can turn into a gang really easily um, and at the end of the day words hurt. Yeah, but- this is all about social skills, This what we're talking about. Andy, do you think the social media side of things, is that better or worse for your social skills? Are you out there talking to more people or are you going down the rabbit hole and like getting lost in the whole thing? Um, I think it can be really good for um, people who struggle to communicate. They can still um, verbally, like if they struggle to talk to people but they can type and stuff. Um, they can they can still find that community and and talk to so many people. Um, yes, because I've got a friend like that. Um, but sorry, what was the question? So, well, what we're talking about so, uh, social media. So, the whole topic of today is talking about people with autism and their social skills. Do you think that social media has improved that? I mean, let's say, for example, with yourself, if you're not great at typing but you can do a video. Yeah. So you can be a bit more oral with stuff. Yeah. 
So it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable and sort of yeah, gets you out there. Yeah, chatting. Have you, have you actually met anyone over social media and then actually met them face-to-face or is it all just online? Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah. And they weren't murderers, which is good. <laughs> well, you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good start. Have you become friends? Was it, yeah. was it a good experience? Yeah. Um, yeah, some of them um, I, I'm just really close with and I, they live in different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes yes. it hard, especially yeah. with COVID. Yeah. Let me um, also, let's talk about a few autism myths because I've been doing a little bit of research for how to chat and you guys, actually, let's start with you guys. Let's start, Andy, can you tell me, what are some of the things that people believe about autism that's not true? What are some misconceptions that you may have come across that people have said to you? Um, trying to think about how to word it. Can you come back to me? Yep. What about you, Emily? Some of the, the misconceptions that people have about people with ASD. That their meltdowns are tantrums mm-hmm. um, and they're not. Um, that's probably my biggest one. Because I've got a few here that have come from a few other people we've spoken to on the show mm-hmm. um, previously. I mean, the, the one that intrigues me is, uh, I mean, it's just, I think it's just the ignorance of people that autism is caused by bad parenting was one thing. Never heard that one, thankfully. No, it's a bit reduced. <laughs> autism's caused by vaccinations. Oh, I've heard that on <laughs> you got to laugh, so, don't you? social media, but yeah. that that's it. Yeah, it's possible for people with autism to change their behaviour. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, but like I think it is, but it isn't. Like that's a really tough one. Like, yeah, my my kids aren't the same as they were a long time ago, mm-hmm. and, and it's because they are changing. They're learning. They're adapting as as we all do. But that one's a really difficult one. I don't think it's as easy. Um, I think they will do things differently to a neurotypical person, but I do think it's possible to to t- change some stuff, yeah. Mm, nice. What about, Andy, I'll ask you this one. People with autism have savant skills like Rain Man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you heard that one? Yeah, because um, people, um, people assume because I'm um, – quote unquote not as autistic as some people or as their child that I must be gifted. But no, I'm just average bear, like, oh I could like I can draw, you can do this. I, I can't like I I think the most gifted thing about me is my creativity. I make things but I'm not that great at it. I just <sighs> I love your scrunchies. Thank you. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> What about um, all people with autism have an intellectual disability? Um, I don't think that's true as mm-hmm. someone who actually has been diagnosed with it as an intellectual disability. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think people say all these things? Because um, people often have to have it because it, it's such a broad thing mm. and it's, it's just easier to think it as, as one way. Mm. as these stereotypes. Yeah, good answer actually because it is such a broad spectrum. So broad. Like, there's so many different people. I mean three different, completely different people in the same family in your case, Emily. They just it? look alike. Yeah, but they're all completely different as are most children but on the different, the, all different levels of the spectrum. Yep. Yeah, it's incredible. Cody, what about you? Do you think people with autism can change their behaviour? No. Oh, they can, they can mature and become better people, can't they? Yes. Yes, I think we would all have to agree on that one. Now, 
Let's wrap up with our final question and go back to the whole topic, autism and the social skills. So we'll go around in a circle. So, Emily, when people um, say that people with autism don't have social skills, what do you say to that? It's not true. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that they have um, learnt everything yet. And none of us have. That's right. (laughs) That's a good way of putting it, yeah. Are people with ASD smarter? I don't know the answer to that. No, because I've met some very smart people who are on it. They, one, one girl who we interviewed recently said, you know, she feels like an alien on the wrong planet because mm. she's – and she's way smarter and better than I'll ever be. <laughs> so, okay, let's go over to you, Andy. When people say that people with autism don't have social skills, what do you say to that? Once again, that we just haven't so, – we might not have learned everything. Every, everyone's built differently. Um, just some appear to be more more different than than others, I think. But we're we're still human. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. yeah. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people out there who haven't got ASD who don't have social skills. Yeah, there's a lot of rude and arrogant people out there, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> All right, I'm going to hit you up, Cody. What about you? What do you say when people say people with autism don't have social skills? What do you say to them? Don't know. No, you're not sure. It's Gwent. <laughs> <laughs> now, if anyone's listened to our podcast before, Grow Bold with Disability, always wrap up with one last question. And that is, what does living a bold life mean to you? Oh. Yeah, this gets them every time, Emily. I'll let you go first because Andy's sitting over there going, oh, thank God he asked her first. <laughs> <laughs> um, just be you and ignore everybody else. Andy, what does a bold life mean to you? Living unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, once again, being being yourself, but um, being kind, being decent, but not a body. Yeah. Cody, what about you? Be better, Ken. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, that's it for us today. Thank everyone so much for listening to today's Grow Bowl with Disability podcast brought to you by Ferros Care. And I'd also like to thank our guests, Cody, Emily, and Andy. Thank you so much for your time and insights into the amazing world of autism. And listeners can find out more about autism and our guests in the link provided in today's show notes. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being part of it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Ferros Care an NDIS partner delivering local area coordination services in Queensland, South Australia and the Australian Capital Territory. Feros Care is a people care organisation committed to helping people live bolder lives. We call it Growing Bold. And for over 30 years, Feros has been making it real for both older Australians and those living with disability. To find out more, head to ferroscare.com.au.